0: Hey, 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 listeners. Thanks for joining me again today. So in today's podcast, my guest, Dinah Howells, is going to talk about next-level virtual training. So what is that? Well, if you're a trainer, this is going to be really important to you. If you're not, this is going to be a really important and interesting topic. So she's going to talk about design execution and how to have a holistic experience. She's also going to dive into how to connect with your audience, and to build a presence. So, without further ado, let's get right into the show. What if someone told you that you could learn the secret to happiness or success? Maybe you have an interest in mental health or the unknown, or even the desire to communicate with the dead. These are the real stories and encounters from the real people on Behind the Story with Chuck Talk and here's your host chuck talk
1: thanks so much for having me yes i've been in learning and development for a really long time and i know chuck that you are a learning and development professional as well so i've worked mostly with adult professionals uh, folks that work in business but also in academia and uh, anyone in the sort of training and learning development field
0: yeah can you give a little bit more of a background um of yourself diana
1: Yeah. So I I started out as a public speaking instructor, actually, and I taught at universities and private colleges, and I always was attracted to business. And I also just love learning. My father, I think, would also say he was a lover of learning, and I sort of learned that from him. So when you put lifelong learning and kind of the business world and... uh, I guess teaching together training is sort of that natural place where you land, and so it was really helping other people learn and grow in their organizations so that the organizations can also be successful too and and really learning how to do that in the most effective way has kind of been our journey.
0: You were able to help somebody along and who, in turn, if they're an educator, can really engage their audience, so
1: yeah. Absolutely, it's so. And Chuck, you know this so well too. It's that aha moment. We sort of live for that when you know your learner, your student, or even if you're teaching um, a professor. You know, we've taught some professors too. It's when when they get it, uh, that's so fulfilling and and so rewarding. And I think that's why we we enjoy what we do.
0: Sometimes it can be just the simplest thing. It's they yeah. they just look past it because it's so easy. But then when you present it to them and they say, oh, and there's that aha moment. Yeah, uh, and I,
1: I think I enjoy the challenge of it, too. Do you, too, Chuck? Because it's sort of, the question is, how can you help them effectively understand this? And then if it's not working, how can you figure this out? And so I, I sort of like the challenge of being able to tackle that, knowing that it's not always easy sometimes. But I don't know. What about you?
0: I, yes, 100%. Yeah. I agree with you on that. It's the challenge for us, or at least for me on my end too, is, is rewarding in itself. Just trying to figure out how am I going to help this particular person? Because sometimes it, well, individuals learn in a different way. So Mm -hmm. I don't want to, I don't come out and say, how do you learn? It's kind of that figuring it out, uh, but figuring out quickly.
1: Right. And then then also looking at what we're teaching, right? So if it's something they need to do or a system or um, in our cases, sometimes it's soft skills or people skills, leadership, psychological safety. Uh, Maybe it's uh, learning behavioral styles about each other and how to work more collaboratively together or uh, how to have that crucial conversation or uh, a good performance review. So there's so many things, right, that we can continue to get better at and be more effective.
0: Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> you know, before we get too far into this, let's uh, let everybody know where they can reach out to you for your services, like your website or anything like that.
1: Oh, sure. Thanks, Chuck. Yeah, we can be found uh, certainly at our website, which is www howellsassociates.com so it's h-o-w-l-e s as in sam and then associates plural dot com so you can find us there and i'm also on linkedin so diana Howells on linkedin so
0: virtual learning can we start with the learning part is it as difficult as it really needs to be i mean i hear people say this is not the same i can't do it it's never going to work type of situation you come across that from the learners?
1: You know, absolutely. I think there are those who think that it's a challenge and maybe they prefer that in-person collaboration, which certainly has energy, right, when you're together in the room. And certainly those have been effective. But I would actually argue that it's the design and sort of the execution of the experience that make or break a learning or a training session regardless of where the venue is. So whether it's hybrid, whether you have the online and the on-site together, or whether it's completely, fully virtual, or whether you're in person, if you design it very well to be interactive, to be uh, a holistic experience that engages the learner cognitively, socially, emotionally, behaviorally, I have actually seen virtual sessions where I did the same topic and uh, I did all virtual. And then I did, I think I did a hybrid one as well. And I think in the past we did in person for this topic too. And I saw the all virtual one actually be the most engaging of all three. And I attribute it to design and execution. So it's almost like when people say, when you use PowerPoint slides or PowerPoint to create your slide visuals, it's, it's not so much the tool, it's how you use the tool, how you design your slide visual that makes it effective. So, uh, a helpful analogy there.
0: Yeah. Uh, going on that, how, how would you have, or is there an example of how you would have somebody design, uh, like a PowerPoint or some sort of, um. Visual tool that enables them to possibly project or make it a better experience for the viewers.
1: So, how to use those slide visuals so that yeah. it's a better learning experience? Is yeah, do you?
0: Yeah, are you? Do you advise them to use any type of? Oh, I'll just call it the special effects. You know, where <laughs> it, it's got some motion to it, rather than just click on the PowerPoint and there it is, just a second an image, and then a couple of bullet points? Or do you have it actually do a transition or recommend doing some sort of basic transition?
1: It's a, it's a great question. You know, I am a big believer in dynamic engagement, which means that the opposite of that would be static, right? So we Mm -hmm. want movement and we want to use it to draw people's attention, call their attention to whatever the critical points are and help them focus. So what I like to do is progressively build slides. And by progressively building them, it means using, like you said, Chuck, those animations. So let's say you have uh, three different small visuals on a slide, and you're going to be talking about each of them. If you display all of them at the same time, and then you start talking about point number one, and then point number two, you have no idea where your learner is looking. And so when you can progressively reveal through animation, here's the next you know, part on the slide, and then you talk about it at the time you display it. It's better for synchronicity and people, um, it's better for learning, right? Because you're listening and looking where you need to be at the same time. So, so that's a really kind of a simple thing to do, but a, a really helpful thing for learning.
0: And there it is, one of those simple tips to use the tools that you have, and it becomes that aha moment, because you're right. Oftentimes, I see a presenter, you know, you go to a a session of some sort, and whether it be live or remote, they've got 20 different things on a bullet point, and they're talking about one, but I'm down at number 10, reading number 10, and you're right. As a presenter, you have no idea where they're looking or where their mind is at, so breaking it down is much better for the learner
1: yeah it's it's a it's a great focuser and and chuck you kind of made me think of another point too and that is using live annotation so and a lot of our virtual platform tools like a Zoom or a Microsoft Teams or a WebEx or an Adobe Connect or a GoTo Training. You you one of the commonalities in those tools is live annotation. So you know you can use an annotation. Um, what I mean by that is like a highlighter or a digital pen or digital pencil to even annotate as you are instructing. And I like to use that for really important points. Again, it's um, almost like a signaler, right? So if I draw with my digital highlighter, I had a training class yesterday. I taught where I was doing that. That also focuses the eye, right, and draws their attention because it's movement. And ideally, you are directing them to look on the part that you are explaining at the time you are explaining that. So all of that is super helpful. The one thing I tell uh, virtual instructors as well is just make sure you always test out what your platform does in terms of erasing those annotations once you've drawn them because sometimes they advance maybe you've experienced that they advance and carry over to the next slide and so in in some platforms they sort of don't advance it to the next slide so you go to the next one it's not there so you really have to practice clearing your slide uh outside of live virtual training days so that you know the it's smooth and not, and not distracting. So that just takes some, some prep work beforehand.
0: (laughs) So true. I mean, with, you know, anything you need to be prepared. So that's just part of being prepared. It, you can't take it for granted that you are an instructor and you've been teaching for 20 years, uh, in person and then figure that, Oh, I could just jump right in virtually. No problem. No problem. Has, yeah. It doesn't work like that.
1: <laughs> it doesn't. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Everything, it's it's just, you know, even like public speaking, right? The more uh, prepared you are, the more confident you are, the more fun you can have when you're actually training. And the more fun you have, the more fun your learners will have. So it's, it's all of that domino effect that starts with preparation.
0: And I like what you said. It, it's, I kind of look at it as it's about having fun. And if you're enjoying what you're doing, and if you come across mm-hmm. that way, I think the the viewers, they're gonna see it and they'll be engaged. You know, I, it's I'm just probably jumping all over the place, but you've got me so excited about this topic because, <laughs> like I said, it's something that I enjoy doing. Some of the questions that I I come across with teachers is a couple things. I guess they have a hard time, just like right now. The camera, it's like, well, where am I gonna look? They have, yeah. they're they're so self conscious about what they're going to look like or where they need to look around that they they really uh, feel uncomfortable about doing a virtual thing. Do you have any advice as mm-hmm. far as that goes?
1: Well, that's an excellent question. I mean, so many people struggle with that. And and nobody usually likes to be on camera, so we'll just kind of put that out there and say that is okay. It's normal. Um, but you bring up a really good point about eye contact. So, really, when we are connecting to other people through, you know, virtually, so whether you're the instructor and you're talking to your learners or whatever it may be, your students, we really need that connection through the camera lens. And it does feel like a cold, impersonal lens. But you just have to remind yourself that your contact it. And on the other side are your students, are your learners, are the people that you're connecting with. You don't have to be looking at the camera all the time. But I like to tell people when you're doing like really important points or this is a, something, make sure you do this uh, when you can, when it is convenient, you do want to come back and make that connection. So we know that you're you're looking at chat. We know that you're looking at the whiteboard. You might be advancing your slides, but when you can come back and reestablish that connection with the camera lens and knowing where that camera lens is. And then of course, looking at some of the other things that you need to look at is appropriate to do. But again, coming back when you can.
0: Yeah, there certainly is a difference when you're sitting this close to your webcam or whatever it might be that you're using as your, as I said, your conduit to your audience out there, as opposed to if I was teaching from a distance afar and teaching, and I like to say, if you're doing it that way, don't worry about staring at the camera, and especially if you're doing virtually, just teach the way you normally do, and turn around and the camera is your student or whoever, your audience. Turn around and look, like I said, every once in a while, acknowledge that they're there and then come Mm -hmm. back and just do what you normally do
1: yeah and you know that's that's great and one thing i like to tell people too is that you don't have to be on camera all the time when you're teaching and it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier chuck with the focuser So, for example, if you're displaying a very complex slide and it has a lot of complexity in the structure, you can come off camera to do what? To focus attention on that visual because it needs to take up more of our cognitive, you know, working memory to sort of process and analyze and and digest it. So I like to say that the times when you are virtually training others, the times where you want to leverage your camera and be on camera would be sort of what I call those purposeful connection times. So for example, when you're introducing yourself, when they're introducing themselves, when they go into breakouts, because camera, the camera does help build presence, especially when we have a screen between us. And so that's really important, right? You've seen that Chuck more than just audio that really helps build presence. So when they're working together in small groups and breakouts, and when we have a large group discussion, so let's say we debrief after some, some breakout groups, and I turn off the slides, we don't even have visuals, and we just have everybody come on camera. And sometimes depending on your platform, you can put them in like an immersive view, which Zoom has, where it takes everybody and puts them in one background. Or in Microsoft Teams, uh, they call it together mode. And this is sort of easier on you cognitively because you only have one background and everybody is superimposed, uh, right, virtually together. But we're all on camera and we can have a group discussion. It feels like we're together. There's Mm -hmm. that presence again in in the room. So really kind of discerning when and how to use these tools to, to again, be more effective, if that makes sense.
0: It does. And I love that you use that word immersive because that's something I use or I say often because to me, people will... I mean, we say engage, engagement, and there is a, a difference lot. <laughs> between engagement and being immersed. And mm. when you, just as you said, that immersion, that immersion is now you see everybody, I'm immersed, I'm in the classroom with mm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, that's kind of how I like to explain it. And just like the way you did. I love that.
1: Yeah. And you know that word, Chuck, we're going to see that really evolve more and more coming in the near future, because those immersive kinds of technologies, like augmented reality and virtual reality, and the metaverse, and all of that—that's coming—are I guess it's already here, but it's not equally distributed yet. But all of that is going to be like immersive learning, where you are immersed into an environment where it feels like you're really there. So, so that word is going to live on, I think, for for quite a while.
0: Yes, you're right. And it's just going to grow exponentially, just get larger and larger. And I think it's going to be used more often or, and that word, Mm -hmm. but you know, the other thing about all this is from the standpoint of organizations, companies, businesses, this saves them money. I mean, huge thing. So I think it's, it's worth the investment for companies to hire folks such as you to do the training to get the folks used to this or to mm-hmm. have them understand because if it cost you ten thousand dollars up front you're going oh that's a lot well it's better than spending forty thousand to have your employees go someplace or executives go somewhere there now there's no complaining about oh jet lag well no jet lag
1: and <laughs> we, we can't we can't enjoy good meals either though right because we love yeah. those, those good meals when we're traveling, but yeah, there is a huge, you're right. There's a huge cost savings, obviously, to be able to train this way. And, you know, we first had web conferencing technologies I think late in the late 1990s. And and I first got involved kind of in 2000 with some tools that aren't even around anymore. And we could still do some of these things. We could still annotate. We had video, but we really didn't use it as much. We had breakout rooms, but they were audio only. We could annotate. You know, There certainly were some differences and we've seen how the tools have just gotten better and easier, which is great. But I think one thing to point out, too, though, is the research is really clear about what's the most effective in terms of using this approach. And as I mentioned to you, I've had experiences where the virtual training was far superior in some cases, in some topics, in my experience.
0: Hey, hey, I hope you've enjoyed listening to part one of Next Level Virtual Training with my guest Diana Howells. Now, in part two, she's going to dive into what's called blended teaching or blended learning. So, please come back for part two. Now, let me add this thank you, all of you, for your continued support. And what I mean by support is you're always coming back, listening, and you're sharing. And please leave your comments and be generous on the rating system too. It all helps out. So until next time, have a great one and listen for the next show. Thanks again. Bye-bye.